You're listening to the Sugarcane Podcast, where you get all of crypto's tastiest tidbits. Here's your hosts, Sheldon Trotman and Rudy Dogum. And we're live on the Sugarcane Podcast. It's me, Rudy. Yep, and I'm Sheldon, the founder and CEO of Sugarcane. We're here for another week for more information. And this time, it's about something that we take very seriously and we love so much. And it's the essence and core of why blockchain is so amazing. It is <laughs> decentralization. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon, when you first heard that blockchain was decentralized, what was your initial thoughts and feelings towards that word in a technical sense? So first of all, I was like, what does that even mean? Like that's a, that sounds like a very fancy word in a space that doesn't really make sense. And now you're throwing on like, we're not going to have centralization. Like, what is that? Why does that even matter? Right. So for me, it was, a, <laughs> it was definitely one of those situations where I was like, this makes absolutely no context hearing it. But um, once you dig into it further, it makes a lot more sense and really like understanding why it matters is, is pretty important. And so I think that's why uh, we're all here. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> what about you. I mean, for me, it, it didn't make sense because I'm like, how do you build anything that's not through some type of entity controlling and working on it. It doesn't, it didn't register for a while. And then I recognized the power of the internet and the power of communities and how, oh, if yep. people just get together to build something, it can happen. And that's what a company is. It's just a group of people who can build something together that's organized by a CEO or VCs or something like that. So decentralization and, you know, in crypto, it's the big word means a lot taken very seriously in ethereum taken very seriously in bitcoin and taken seriously in other projects but there is kind of like a like a scale of what decentralized means mm -hmm. and i want to start with how decentralization uh, works for bitcoin at the og share with me yeah, sure. The tasty tidbits. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So like this whole idea of decentralization, as you said, is a spectrum, right? So at the very, very like far, like let's say left end, you have like a company and it's one entity. It's run by a central company, central like group of people, the CEO and the kind of board of directors and like people who are working with that company. They're very focused on one specific concept. It's one company, one entity, right? On the other end, we have that OG a Bitcoin concept where it's completely decentralized. And in the context of Bitcoin, the way decentralization works is that there's a number of people around the world that essentially run technology or run nodes that support the Bitcoin network, right? And so what that means is that they all have their own computers that each of them basically build upon and contribute to the network and support the network. And so if there's ever a situation where, let's say, one part of the, let's say, world, let's say, United States goes down, like that network of the, of the internet goes down. Uh, there's other parts around the world that actually can keep the load up and keep the system running. And so from a Bitcoin perspective, it's just this fact that like everyone's essentially geographically separated. Um, that really makes it um, stay stable. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is with especially money, that's what kind of crypto, cryptocurrency is at its mm -hmm. current state and developing into a much more complex technological revolution, uh, we'll stick with just this little topic for today, that money is currently controlled <laughs> by our governments. That's 
who controls it and that's who says i guess the value is after they do their calculations of gdp and economic uh stability so with this this is a piece of technology that everyone in the world and anyone in the world can access view see and propose to edit so therefore me as an individual i can actually go to the ethereum repository or development repository and say i think this should change in this way and i know how to solve it and this is what i propose and then a community mm -hmm. of individuals will come in and say hey this looks like a good idea or it looks like a bad idea and that's kind of how it works at its very high level overview and that sounds great but I definitely want to know what are some trade-offs for decentralization? Yeah, so the big trade-off that you end up coming into with centralized systems is just speed, right? So with a central company, you have a pretty strong mandate from top down where like the CEO or the company who, people who are running the company, they say, hey, do this thing and it's done, right? And it's very much top-down control. You can move really fast that way. There's not as many like barriers to like, getting stuff done or communication just because everyone is pretty much all in the same place. They're on the same like chat group, Slack channel, um, office even. But in the concept of decentralization and decentralized networks, you have a number of different teams that also are around the world, right? That are building towards this kind of system. And so you have to do a lot more coordination, a lot more like cross team communication. Um, and things just move slower, to be honest. Like, like for example, Ethereum, yeah. it's about uh, eight years old at this point. And so in the eight years that it's been around, it made its most largest update uh, about six months ago. So in, in November timeframe, around last year, when it moved from proof of work to proof of stake. And that really was a culmination of like six years of work, right? Just to get that one large update through. But if you were in a team context that worked at a company, you can move that through much quicker. That's just the speed that is really the big um, drawback when it comes to the decentralized systems and decentralized teams. Yeah, that's the that's that trilemma that everyone speaks about, right? About decentralization. It's the security, scalability, and decentralization. So it's um it's a tough thing to master because <laughs> you do have trade-offs and it's not it's not that simple, like oh decentralized is great, but yeah, it's a little bit slower to get things accomplished, but it's also a little bit more secure because there isn't one man or one person to that can make the whole thing fall. If the CEO decides yeah. to make a change, even against their team's advice, that can hurt the entire company. Where in this instance, the majority matters and it's much more of a decentralized format. And to give some context, yeah. like when someone says, they are decentralized or they're decentralized blockchain, decentralized cryptocurrency. How can we actually look into that and see that they are true to their word? What do you mean that in terms of like, um, like, uh, blockchain networks, are you talking about like teams or what's your, what's your context in that? Blockchain networks. Yeah. So there's a couple of different metrics you can look at like decentralization. So like, um, you can look at, um, what it takes to run a node. And so what I mean by that is like, uh, get a bit technical here. Um, so Ethereum, 
you could essentially run that on any computer, right? Even like a Raspberry Pi. I don't know if you know about Raspberry Pis. They're a little small, like um, chips things. that are really, you can actually run um, simple programs on. And you can run an Ethereum node. Yeah, you can run a full Ethereum node on a Raspberry Pi, right? But as you get, take a step further, Bitcoin itself is a bit more complex. You need a bit more computation behind that. And you need what's called ASICs. And so these are actual chips that are built for running um, Bitcoin nodes. And those are pretty expensive. You can actually buy them. But at scale, the large people who are running uh, Bitcoin nodes, they have full warehouses full of these ASICs that push much money into like um, server cost and like AC cost just to keep the system from overheating. Yeah. And so that's a step further from a Raspberry Pi to now an ASIC. And then even taking a step further than that, there's another blockchain called Solana. And their whole premise is that you need to run high performance computers, really like strong like computers that you can do like even like quantum computing on, right? These really performant computers. And the cost to even buy one of these things is exorbitant. So it's really expensive to even get one. And the actual infrastructure to run it is also pretty complex. And so not just anyone can run in a Solana, a Solana node. And so for that reason, you kind of tend to find that it clusters around small group people, small number of people who are running Solana nodes. But then as you get further down, I guess, back down the spectrum to like Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, Ethereum is definitely geographically decentralized. A lot, anyone in their house can run it. Um, and so it's a lot easier for multiple people to run it. So there's a lot more nodes in the Ethereum context. Yeah, that makes sense because... When I think about decentralization, I think about how easy is it for yep. an, any person to contribute and access. And like how you're speaking about Solana, that seems very difficult. And I don't think I can afford that. And for Bitcoin, it seems feasible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> yet it's uh, intensive in terms of having this computer that runs in my house, takes up a lot of energy, and it's pretty much like a heater in my own home. Yeah. And Ethereum used to be that way yep. too, but that's why they made that conscious effort and group collective effort to change into proof of stake where you can kind of just run a little computer that is pinging back and forth between the internet, but not running any hard computations on the actual device. And it's becoming interesting because yeah, yeah. with Bitcoin, it's very competitive too now. The more of these computers you have, yep. the more you can do, more more proof of work you have, which is good for people who are, you know, wealthy and can have a huge, massive system. Thankfully, it's been out long enough where it's diverse enough around the globe where it's still almost impossible for someone to do any malicious manipulations to the Bitcoin network. Uh, same for Ethereum; it's pretty graphically diverse, and also. Yeah, anyone can always start hopping on. And if you want to follow someone who's into ETH staking, follow Superfizz. He's a great guy. But that whole ETH staking community, yeah, <laughs> huge and very, um, very educational, very helpful. Actually, even diving into a point you just made about like, mm -hmm. um, like the the way that the Ethereum or the Ethereum network runs and the way that Bitcoin network runs and how Ethereum transitioned from what Bitcoin is to what um, this kind of new model. It's kind of like we're gonna we're gonna we're definitely gonna dig into it more about like the proof of stake or versus proof of work, and how those two different types of algorithms um, like matter and how they actually can impact um, what type of hardware you need. But like in the context of Ethereum, since it is what's called proof of stake, it doesn't need as intensive of hardware to actually run. So it actually allows people to to have a lot lighter 
um, kind of technology to actually run it. Yeah, I don't know if people know this, but the goal for like yeah. Ethereum is to actually be able to stake on your phone. Everyone can just stake on the go on their phone. It's not, it's supposed to get lighter and lighter and lighter as time goes. As we continue to develop, it's supposed to be everywhere and quick all at once. I'm not excited for that future because that's what I want. I want as much diversity as possible because it is a serious risk when there's only one service providing a node because then that service is technically mm -hmm. in control so if you look at a macbook you know yeah there is only one kind of apple and one kind of mac i mean obviously different models but apple controls it all whereas if you look at android or windows they provide the software but there's a variety of different hardware uh, that you can use with it and even with android's case it's open source so you can manipulate it as you want yeah. to fit your needs so it's actually a little bit that's a little bit more of a decentralized model but still you know decentralized entities still control the whole thing so it's still hard to compare that it's kind of hard to compare like anything to decentralization <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what's decent like nothing is decentralized everything is centralized in some way except for crypto i got an example um this doesn't sound a bit weird, so <laughs> let me run with it yes. and then let me know if it makes sense at the end. <laughs> so if you think about ants, right? Like um like ants like in a in a colony. Mm -hmm. So the reason I bring up ants is because ants can be thought of as decentralized because like it's not so much about the actual individual ant living on to propagate to carry on. It's actually about the whole nest and the whole the hive actually being able to to carry on. And so if you were to take out a part of the hive of a nest colony and we have an ant colony um the rest of the rest of the ants can actually still come together and actually be resilient and and still push forward and so the idea of like decentralization is kind of like thinking of the whole network of the internet network of like blockchain networks as a set of ants that all live in different locations that like if one of them if a bunch of them were to get taken out the whole colony can still live on so uh how's that sound <laughs> i mean it's legit because you're right we are going back into our like ancestral like instinctive animalistic like instinct of working together as a hive <laughs> rather than having a queen bee who controls the whole entire hive so it's pretty interesting um but yeah i like the analogy and we'll leave it at that, the ant analogy. Everyone go back home, <laughs> tell your friends exactly how it works. <laughs> saying you heard it on Sugar King podcast that Sheldon said, this is how decentralization works. <laughs> <laughs> Blockchains oh, are ants. That's it. That's what you got to know. <laughs> it's, it makes sense. So I'm going to stick with you it too. It I like it. <laughs> yeah. Right, thank you everyone for the... Another awesome week. Uh, we're getting def definitely more and more technical into these episodes. I'm enjoying it a lot. So I'm excited for next week. Yeah. With the tastiest of tidbits. <laughs> tastiest tidbits. Peace, everyone. <laughs>